0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. My name is Jeff Adams, and it's my privilege to be here today. I pastor Lighthouse Baptist Church, and Uh, Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger has asked me to fill in in his absence, and I am so thankful to have this privilege. He has become a great friend of mine, and uh, he and his wife, we love them. Uh, I don't have his, you know, your pastor is a funny guy, and it's a hard act to follow when you have a pastor who's, now I'm not going to call him a comedian, but he's fun to laugh at or laugh with, Amen. Yeah, all right, and so uh, I'm more of a serious kind of wound tight type of guy, and so it's hard to, to fill the pulpit of somebody like Jeff Spooniebarger, but again, once I, I will say this, we rent the facilities of First Baptist Church. He uh, has made that available to us, and, and what an incredible uh, friend he has become, and I am so thankful, and let me say this on behalf of me and my church, thank you. Church for allowing us to inhabit the space and become a friend of your ministry, and uh, I know that God is using this ministry in the community along with others. And I'm so excited to meet uh, Matthew and Saga and the new staff. Of course, Saga's been here for a long time, but uh, I was able to be a part of the uh, the, the staff Christmas party and just just uh, just you know crashing the party all the time is what I do, and I and I love it, and it's fun, and so. Again, I love your pastor. I love his wife. I love uh, Teresa. Uh, You know, I'm constantly bugging Teresa. She's probably going to block my number here soon, and uh, and so thankful for that. Take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter number 5. Daniel chapter number 5. In my church, we've been going through the book of Daniel and uh, uh, looking at that, and then we kind of took a pause, and I dove into the Advent and uh, covered that through Christmas and then finished that up, and we reviewed uh, last week to kind of delve back in this. And so hopefully, how many of you, just to kind of get to know the crowd and stuff, how many of you are familiar with the book of Daniel? You grew up studying, raise your hand. Uh, How many of you, uh, some of the folks in my church have said, wow, this is so incredible, I've never." studied and never heard these stories before? How many of you, Daniel's kind of new. I know the latter part of Daniel's more prophetic, and so sometimes people hear the book of Daniel are like, oh, I'm not going to get anywhere near that. But the first part of it is uh, more storyline. Well, um, uh, I don't want to, to try to delve too deep into the history and burn up all the time that I have, but uh, how many of you have ever heard the statement, the writing's on the wall? I mean, and how many of you have ever used it? Raise your hand. You know, it's weird because I believe people outside the church house says, well, the right, you know, people have even come up to me uh, dealing with marriages and they're teenagers, and the writing's on the wall, this marriage is over. Uh, the writing's on the wall, I am leaving this job. The writing's on the wall, I can't live in this community. But the right, how many of you heard people say, people that don't know God's word and don't say the writing's on the wall? How many of you ever heard somebody and if you ask him, you say, oh, do you, you, know, you know where that, that's from? And they're like, huh? The writing on the wall, that statement. Daniel chapter 5, and they're like, uh, it's just, you know, it means it's over. You know? uh, they don't necessarily. This passage is where that comes from. So let's look at it, and we'll read it. Daniel chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible reads, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before a thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princess and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his prince and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. Verse number five is where we see this. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, then the king's countenance was changed. Uh Uh-oh, God just came and crashed the party. King's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote, One against another. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God and how it instructs us, how it's a living book, how it's so relevant to the very day and age in which we live. Lord, I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would use the power of the Word of God to speak to the hearts of your children. Lord, I know I'm amongst friends and believers and brothers and sisters in Christ, but God, I pray that we would just hear from you and that, Lord, the word of God would just begin to do a work within our hearts and our minds. Lord, we live in a day when it seems like our culture is changing and they have kind of an anti-God philosophy. Lord, help us just as Saga prayed just a little bit to raise up our children in a godly manner and that, Lord, we would obey you and we would put you first in our lives and we would look for ways in which you are speaking to us and writing uh, things on our hearts and our minds. Lord, speak to your children. I'll give you the honor, glory, and praise. We'll thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray them. Amen. Let me give you a little uh, background history for what's taking place right here. The first chapters in the book of Daniel 1 through 4 is dealing with a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Real quick, Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's great grandfather uh, or there was there was relation there and he was the king when belshazzar came on the scene in daniel chapter number 1 he was uh, the guy who conquered the world, literally the first individual that basically began in his power and his strength began to defeat God told the Jewish nation in Jerusalem that they are to honor the Sabbath. How many understand that ten commandments uh, they were told, and they were to they knew god 's law they knew that, that he was to be their only God and well they were backslidden. They weren't honoring God. They weren't honoring the Sabbath. And so he said, I am going to raise up a pagan man to uh, basically correct what you are doing. It's going to be a type of chastisement to wake you up. And so Nebuchadnezzar came in, destroyed the temple, took all the gold and the silver, silver and all the things and well and took them for himself. He basically took Daniel, some Hebrew children, those that were of royalty, the brightest, the strongest, the best looking, and he took them captive. He brought them and he basically was going to educate them and teach them uh, the, the, the Babylonian way and their language. He changed their name from Daniel to uh, 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 Belteshazzar. Don't confuse that with Belshazzar. Belteshazzar, which is the pagan god that they honoring. And so he changed their name. As a matter of fact, he made them a eunuch. So he, he actually, and I know we've got kids in here, but he actually degenerized them to where they couldn't procreate and, and kind of just made them eunuchs, just made them to where they could not uh, marry and they didn't have a, the testosterone, uh, the drive, and all that type of stuff. And so this is prior to this great-grandson coming along. All of a sudden, Belshazzar now is 25 years removed from his great-grandfather and, and uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar has basically died and passed on when this is taking place. Babylon is a, is a nation with strength. This Babylon is kind of, we as a nation are kind of starting to mirror the mistakes that Babylon made. Nevertheless, Babylon is a fortified city that is an edifice to behold. This the walls without the city were 17 miles long. I mean, we're talking—I don't know. I know the three-mile bridge. If three-mile bridge, you got—you you, know—multiplied that a couple times, you're—you're you're looking maybe uh, 17 miles down the road. That's how long the 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 walls were—17 miles long—and it was 22 feet wide. And not only was it 22 feet wide, but it was nine feet high. That's nine stories. How many have ever seen the condo over there on Pensacola Beach? That's 10 stories high. You can see it when you're coming over the bridge. Uh, That's how high this wall was. Nine stories in the air. 17 miles, 22 feet wide. There was an outer wall. There was an inner wall. This thing was fortified. It was a fortress. They had 20 years worth of food within the walls. Uh, they could sit there and be surrounded by the enemy, which they were at this given moment. As a matter of fact, the Medes and the Persians at the very last verse uh, were, were, were on their way to uh, try to take Babylon. And so in the process, uh, there is uh, a king here by the name of Nabonidus. And so Nabonidus is uh, Belshazzar's father. He's the king, but he's outside the city, and he's fighting. And so when he's outside the city, guess who's in charge? Sunny boy, I mean, Belshazzar is like, I'm throwing a party. This is what happens when mom and dad leave and, you know, the kids are at home. It's like, I'm going to throw a party. We're going to have some fun and stuff like that. How many of you parents ever leave your kids home alone? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, because of this kid right here. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, you can blame Belshazzar. Uh, nevertheless, this guy is basically, dad's off and fighting. As a matter of fact, in this very moment, he, gets, uh, he loses his life uh, in battle. And so Belshazzar is second in charge. So he's sitting here in this fortified city. And he basically sits here and says, man, I'm in charge. I am high, I, 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 am, I, am, uh, I have it made in the shade, sipping on pink lemonade, and I'm gonna throw a party. And so he invites a thousand people to come and sit here, the enemy is now sitting here marching around the walls. And they're like, ah, that doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, I'm going to kind of thumb my nose to them and throw in this party. And so he says, and you know what? You know those those, those temple uh, jewels and, and goblets and silver and go Bring them on. We're going to have a party with God's stuff. And so here is a young man, Belshazzar, and it says in the verse, first, King made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before a thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and the several vessels which uh, his father Nebuchadnezzar earlier had taken out of the temple before he was uh, uh, converted, uh, which was in Jerusalem, the king and his prince and his wives, and so he's got everybody together. When all of a sudden, in the midst of this party, God shows up. And here, in verse number five, it says, in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick. So here is a man who had an understanding of the God of Jehovah uh, in Heaven, because his grandfather was so prideful, so arrogant, as a matter of fact, in this passage of scripture in verse twenty eight Daniel begins to tell him how proudful his great grandfather was, and i 'm not going to skip to it, but the fact of the matter is is here he has an understanding, but instead of submitting and honoring the God of heaven he 's going to throw a party and he 's over there drinking and having a good time, and he 's almost as if he is shaking his fist to the God of heaven. Uh, and he's not only shaking the fist of the God of heaven, he's disrespecting him by taking the temple uh, goblets and the gold and the silver and he's sacri- sacrileging it. It's, he's, he's, he's blaspheming what God had uh, ordained these things to be used for, and he upsets the God of heaven. And so we see, and it says, in the same hour that the finger of a man's hand wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and king saw the part of the hand, he wrote, verse 6 says, and the king's countenance was changed. Here is all of a sudden when this individual, what we call the rubber meets the road, or the writing on the wall. Here he is, all fun and games, thinking, I don't need God. I'm going to be a God to myself. Come here. Look, we're drinking. We're laughing. We're carousing. And all of a sudden, God speaks by writing. You know, it's the contrast between two individuals. When God speaks in my life, I absolutely love it. I live for it. And I'm not just saying that to be sanctimonious or holier than thou. I'm, I thirst I thirst for God's word. I The best part of my day is when I wake up, and I get my phone out, and I go to version and I sit here on this Bible, and I begin to read. I don't know where it is, over here somewhere. And I begin to, boom, and the scripture pulls up, and I begin to read. And I long as I'm reading, as I'm reading God's word, I long for the, the words to jump off the page, and the Holy Spirit smite my heart and mind. And I live to, to hear from the God, of heaven who lives Who's alive? Who wants a relationship with you and I? And when God speaks to me, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, I get excited. There's times when I'm in a vehicle and I'm reading and I start moving and the vehicle starts pounding and all of a sudden someone's pulling up like, what in the world? I'm like, I'm not in here with anybody. I'm reading the scriptures. Uh, and There's times where I will be in a study somewhere and I do. I all of a sudden, something powerful will speak to my heart and all of a sudden I'll start getting excited like, Lord. Lord, is this true? Is, are you going to do this? And oh, thank you for giving me the grace of God. There's times where it drives me to my knees. There's times where it br- smites my heart to conviction. There's times where I confess to the Lord after I read his word and I'm like, Lord, please forgive me for going astray and focusing on the wrong thing. And I love and live for God to speak through his word. But here's a fella who when God spoke, his countenance was changed. And it's the difference between someone who knows Jesus Christ as his savior, you, me, those that have come to a saving faith of Jesus Christ, and a unregenerate lost individual that has not submitted to God's glory, his son, Jesus Christ. When the word of God is opened, it has an agitating effect. When the word of God is open, it changes the countenance of someone that doesn't know the grace of God and the shed blood that covers my sin. Uh, When the word of God is beginning to write out on the wall, here is a man that's partying, laughing, living it up, drinking, have his concubines and his wives and all the friends and fun, and all of a sudden, whoa. Oh, his knees began to shake, and all of a sudden he literally uh, hit hit the ground, and, and his in his hands the body. Let's let, let's read it. It, it. I'm not making this up. It says. Uh, uh uh verse number six, then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Then the king cried aloud to bring the astrologer, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spake and said unto the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof, shall be clothed with scarlet, and shall have a chain of gold about his neck, and 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 shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Here is him trying to sit here and say, look, uh, he's the second ruler, obviously, because his father, Nabonidus, is out on the battlefield. He doesn't realize he's dead right now. And so he can only offer up the third most potent, uh, powerful person. And so he says, I'm going to give you gold. I'm going to give you royalty. I'm going to give you power if you could interpret this. what happens? Uh, They can't. They can't interpret it. Then the king, countenance was changed. Uh, he couldn't find it. Verse number eight, Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor made known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was the king Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed, and in him his lords were astonished. Here we see him trying to tell his people, Look, uh, it's almost like his value system. What's valuable to him is a chain of gold. Is, is the apparel of, of royalty, the power of being able to be in control and dictate who comes and who goes and, and the parties he can throw. And so his value system is kind of coming out here right now. He, he's just like a typical uh, person that uh, lives for wealth where he thinks he can pay his way out of some type of problem that's just se- stepped into his life. You know what I'm talking about? Here he's sitting here saying, I'll give you a chain of gold. Somebody tell me what's going on. Somebody help me with this and I'll pay you off and, and I'll fix the problems and we'll, we'll, we'll move on with the party. Well, it's interesting because I don't believe that the world's value system, the lost, unregenerate, unbelieving culture should be, able, should be the same value system as a child of God. Uh, we should have different. We're going to get to that in just a moment when uh, they summons Daniel uh, to come along and help them out with this. But nevertheless, he's sitting here saying, hey, I'll give you what is invaluable to me. He didn't hit his knees right here. He didn't necessarily say, oh, the God of heaven is speaking. Uh, he obviously was under conviction, but he said, hey, I'll give uh, whatever away, and, and, and if you could just help me out with the message here. Then was Belshazzar greatly troubled. His countenance was changed. This is verse number nine in him. And his lord was astonished. Astonished. Verse 10 says this. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lord, came in the banquet house. So this queen is not necessarily his wife because all the princesses were with him at that moment at the party. This queen would have probably been his grandmother or his mother or the grandmother, great-grandmother, Nebuchadnezzar's wife, someone who knew the history of Babylon. Someone who probably saw Nebuchadnezzar. And she goes to the king and she says, hey, don't let your countenance be troubled. That's an honorable way of saying, hey, don't, don't be sad. And here is a grandmother figure coming to her grandma' grandson's. My grandma used to call me darling. Uh, whenever I have a bad day, I go to grandma's house just to be lifted up. I mean, she calls me gorgeous. And she's like, hey, darling, you are so gorgeous. She tells me all the time, you're so gorgeous. I said, tell me more, tell me. Uh, she used to, when I had a, flowing hair. She used to rub my hair and rub my chin, kiss on me and feed me. She would just pour love on me. And so I, as an adult, when my wife is telling me I am worthless and good for nothing and kicking me out of the house, I'm "I'm going to grandma's house because she's going to love on me and treat me well. You fellas know what I'm about. Anyways, um, nevertheless, I go over to her house and she builds me up and she, I think in a way, here's a grandmother coming along. She sees a spoiled, rotten grandson that is living a carousing life, and she says, Hey, I know someone who can help you. Uh, your great grandfather knew him as Belt to is what they changed his name to. It's a pagan name uh, for the god of Mora, but his Daniel has a God given name and honor. And, and the God of Elohim, because the last letters of I E L is Daniel I E L, and so here he is. His, this name is kind of honoring the God of Heaven. So they changed his name to a pagan belt to Shazzar. and so here she's saying in this passage of scripture, "Hey, your grandfather changed his name, but his name's Daniel. Call him Daniel. He is." or Look at verse number eleven. There is a man in the kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of God's was found in him, whom King Nebuchadnezzar, that's basically thy father, thy grandfather, thy ancestor. King, I said, thy father made master of the magicians. He's saying, he put him in charge of the magicians, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. Man, when your grandfather had this issue and he dreamed a dream and he couldn't interpret it, uh, he came and helped him interpret the dream. And then he had a dream, but he forgot about the dream. And he told him the dream and interpreted the dream. And then they built a fiery furnace. And they threw him in the fiery furnace. He didn't burn. And all of a sudden, uh, all those operations, opportunities, Nebuchadnezzar still didn't turn to the God of heaven. It wasn't until God put him literally on his hands and knees in a field, and the man was acting like an animal. His hair was matted. He had the dew of the ground. He was eating grass. He had dirt under his fingernails. As a matter of fact, this is describing it in verses 22 and 20, and he's basically talking about, hey, during this time, all of a sudden, when he was on his hands and knees, he finally humbled himself and has broke his pride and looked up to the god of heaven and realized jehovah god is the true god amen and he began in the last 13 years of his life that his grandfather began to serve the lord and it was a different story now his grandmother's coming along and she's saying this man daniel was a part of that whole process he helped him out so we come to this moment and she says go see him he can help you. Then was Daniel brought, verse number 13. Then was Daniel brought before the king, and the king spake and said unto them, Art thou Daniel? which are to the children of the captive of Judah, whom the king thy father. in verse number 14, says, I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and the light and understanding, excellent wisdom is found in thee. And he was, uh, verse 16, says, I have heard of thee, and thou not make interpretation and dissolve doubts. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It dissolves, excuse me, that's what the word of God does. It dissolves doubts. Now, if you can't read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, Thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Verse 17, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Get this, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Daniel is now being summonsed out. He's about 90 years old. He's been off the scene. Belshazzar is partying. Nobody cares what Daniel did back in the day. He's retired. Uh, he's not a part of the leadership, and they're partying. They're bringing in false gods and stuff like this. The queen comes in and says, your grandfather had a man that helped him out. He will tell you the interpretation. Finally, Daniel comes out, and he says, is it you? Are you still alive? It's like this arrogant kid. is like, is this? I heard stories about you when I was in Sunday school. I remember them talking about the fiery furnace and how you walked in and how there was four and God one like a, I remember. Is that true? Is that you? Uh, did you help my granddad when he was on uh, his hands and knees and acted like an animal? As a matter of fact, he says, listen, if you can interpret this, is that really you, Dan? Dan's like, it's me, deja vu. Uh, his grandfather went through all this in his pride and offered up positions and all that type of stuff. And he said, okay, I'm going to gold, uh, I'm going to robe you, and you're going to be the third greatest. And he said, keep your value, you know, keep, keep your bribery. I'm not interested in that. I'm not trying to chase the world. I'm not in it for fame and that's what our message and our hearts and our minds, where it should be as well. We should not let Satan and this culture, this Babylonian influence over our culture, try to get us to be like a lost pagan culture. Uh, we have uh, these devices where our kids spend hours on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, Facebook, that everything on there, people are trying to put on a facade that's not true. Amen. And they're, they're, they're looking and trying to compare themselves amongst themselves. And our culture is basically just like Babylon. And it's, and, and it's not, we shouldn't be following a lost world and saying, oh, I want to be famous. Oh, I want to be so beautiful. Oh, I want to be so strong. Oh, I want to be so wealthy. Our value system should not be set by a lost culture that has, wants nothing to do with the holy God. It should be the word of God should be directing our minds and hearts to his kingdom come, his will be done. Somebody say amen. Uh, Even I, as a pastor, love to have fun, love nice things, love to try and be beautiful. I'm a little, you know, no hair, a little short. and I've got some, uh, you know, issues. But nevertheless, I do my best to try uh, and pretty up. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not my calling. My calling is to represent the Lord Jesus Christ as an ambassador for him. And your calling is not to sit here and impress a lost culture that doesn't really care about you but it's to obey the God of heaven that sent his son to die for you amen and so here is a man that is perplexed and so Daniel comes in he says keep your, keep your gold chain keep your royal robes uh, I'm, not, I'm not interested as a matter of fact I think he may have probably walked into the, the hall like this and he kind of looked at uh, meeny, meeny, tickle you farson, and he kind of he was like uh oh and he's sitting here saying, I'll give you gold, I'll give you, and he's thinking in his mind, your days are numbered, pal. <laughs> he's like, you're going to offer me something, you're not going to be here in a couple hours. Uh, uh, he, I think he knew, as a matter of fact, so he gets on the scene and he's making these promises and he's saying, hey, keep your... Keep your uh, uh, things and, and uh, let thy gifts be to thyself and give your rewards to another. In verse number 18 he says this, O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar and he goes into t- explaining what took place with his grandfather. We're going to skip that and get down to verse 22 where he's talking to him at this point. And he says, and thou, his son, so he talked about Nebuchadnezzar and where, how God broke his pride and he finally turned to him. And he said, and thou, and though thou his son, O Belshazzar, Hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all these things. He's saying, Nebuchadnezzar, you knew better. You, your dad didn't know who the God of heaven was, and that's why God was bringing him to all those moments. He said, but you have heard, you've been taught, you understand who Jehovah God is. And he said, when God did all this to your father, he was trying to get his attention to prove that he was the, the real God. You know better, and instead of submitting to God, you are over here trying to take uh, put false gods. As a matter of fact, the very next verse, verse 23, and I'm going to try and sum this up but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. He said, you have basically, fist, shake your fist in the hand of God, and they have brought the vessels of the house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines, and have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass and of iron and wood and stone, which, is, which see not, nor hear not, nor know. And then he says, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and then he says, and whose are all thy ways. He's sitting here saying, you know what? You are sitting here defying the real God, and you're over here creating pagan gods. Why? Because those, those gods can't hear. They can't see. There's no accountability there. So he can make a false god, act like he's worshiping, and then live the way he wants. And he's saying, wow, you know the God of heaven, the creator of this world, the one who holds the very breath you're breathing in his hand, who gave you his existence, that God you're defying. He's not even interpreted the message yet. I'm sure at that point he's probably thinking, Okay, well, I'm gonna give you this gold. That's what happens. I'm gonna give you the royal I think he's grasping at straws. And at the very end, he says, Okay, I'm gonna give you the interpretation. Meanie, meanie, tickle you, farson. Meanie, that's numeric number. He said, Your days are numbered. He said, Sorry, you've defied God. Time's up. You knew better. Uh, you can't, you're not turning to Him. You're proud. Uh, He says, "Meanie, meanie." he says, tickle, and he says, "Uh, you are weighed, that's weight, that's that's weighing uh, your actions. Your actions have been weighed, and you're found wanting. Uh, You've missed the mark. You've missed the God of heaven. You've put all your stock into something that doesn't matter. And he says, tickle You Farson far or per- Perez, right there in verse 28, says Perez, the kingdom is divided and given to Medes and Persians. Cool story. Here the Medes and Persians are sitting outside the wall. Uh, again, I said they had an outer wall and an inner wall. They took the Euphrates River and they ran it into a river. Uh, the water uh, from the north and the south, and so here the water is being channeled into a lake. The water goes down that's surrounding the outer wall and they are able to go up underneath the wall. You would think they have the inner wall that's locked and fortified and so they can sit there and fight. Instead, they're over here drinking from, with the temple goblets and all this type of stuff and the enemy, the Medes and Persians, just walked straight in. They left the gates unlocked on the inner wall. They sat there in their pride and acted as though they're unpenetrable. They drained the water, went under the wall, and in this night, Belshazzar died. His days were numbered. And then he gave Daniel the royal robe, the g- chain of gold, but that night they were defeated. So it only lasted for a little, and he probably like, well, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, you know, uh, I was the third for a couple hours. All right, now I'll focus back on the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what Satan does to us so often. He's offering us up temporal pr- pleasure that doesn't last. Uh, Babylon is always temporal, it's always trying to act like this is going to be grand, this is going to be great. And as soon as they offer it up, it's gone. But the God of heaven shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, and that is eternal. And we can know Jesus Christ, and our value system should be set on him. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, I would say the greatest decision is to turn your back on Babylon. You have to repent of the pride of the world, the culture, Satan, and the thinking, and turn your life to Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Put your faith and trust in him. And in that moment, Jesus will save your eternal soul. And whatever Satan and Babylon and the world is trying to offer you that's temporal uh, can just go away and burn up. But what God is offering, a heaven, uh, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love will last for all of eternity from this earth into eternity, amen? And so if you're here and you're like Belshazzar and you have heard and know better. I would challenge you, I would challenge you to fall down before the God of heaven and say, Lord, I know you're the God of Jehovah God. Jesus, I know you came and died on the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, I know that you paid sin's ultimate penalty. And Lord, Jesus, I know I should have been there, but you took my place on that cross and I accept you and your penalty and your shed blood as my remission of sins. And in that moment, instead of knowing, you will become known as a child of God. He will know you. You will be a part of the family of God. And so I would encourage you, trust him today. Don't be like uh, Belshazzar and just know, but live a pagan Babylonian temporal life. And if you're here and you do know the Lord, live for his kingdom. Uh, teach like uh, uh, Saga said your kids the word of God fall in love when Jesus speaks don't uh, hide when the God is poking your heart and mind run to him love him spend intimate time with him and his word he is worthy to be praised worthy to be honored and glorified and so uh, I would encourage you run to Jesus get rid of the Babylonian culture and dive in To God's word. Uh, Here we see in the very last verse, in that night was, verse 30, in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius of the Medes took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. I would encourage you to focus on the things that are eternal that Jesus sets before us, his word, his will, and his way. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage of scripture that challenges us to get our eyes off this culture and off what sometimes makes us, may impress us. Oh Lord, if there's someone here that is like Belshazzar, like they've heard the word of God, they know what you've done for their sins, they understand the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but Lord, they've never repented, they've never put their pride aside and just said, I'm all in. I want Jesus to be my savior. God, I pray they would do that today. Uh, Lord, if there's someone here that does know you, and they are saved, God, I pray that they wouldn't live for temporal uh, rewards, that they wouldn't let a pagan culture dictate what they value, but God, they would put you on their heart's throne, and that, Lord, the word of God would change their mind and their hearts throughout the day, and that, Lord, when you... Put the writing on the walls, they'll be excited because they get to communicate with you. Uh Lord, I pray that you do a work in their lives and we'll thank you for it, Jesus.